Welcome to the Indie Book Talk podcast. Today we're starting a new adventure, and it's called Indie Book Class. Indie Book Class is where we talk about everything you need to do to become a published indie author, and we're going to go through every step along the way. I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. very first step is related to one of the most commonly asked questions at book events, which has become almost a joke that you have to have a good answer to this question. And the question is, where do you get your ideas? I don't know the answer to that question. Shelley, <laughs> do you have any thoughts? <laughs> well, pretty much everywhere. But so I read in Psychology Today because I wanted to know what other people were saying when asked this. Okay. And according to psychologists, most writers aren't able to actually answer where their ideas come from, because uh, it suggests that the ideas come from your unconscious mind. Um, so ah. it, it take your brain is taking in all the stuff that you see and experience from the news to books to people you walk by, and your brain just turns it all together, and occasionally it will just spew something out at you. So we probably can't answer it non-comically because we, we don't know the answer. So there isn't some sort of idea factory that all writers have a secret key to? Well, we do, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So we're not we're not making fun of anyone here. I mean, this is this is a real legitimate question, especially if this is not your field, right? If you do something different, if you're a painter, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where you get your inspiration. You know, if you're a musician, I, I can't, you know, make up a song off the top of my head. I mean, I can, but it's not worth recording. So I, I get that th- this inquiry, like where do these ideas come from? And if you are a writer, and especially if you're kind of early in the process, it kind of feels like magic. You might wake up one day with this great idea and just be like, wait, how do I replicate that? How do I do that again and again? And the answer is, we're not sure, but we're going to talk about it anyway. I think the best thing to do is just notice everything, uh, experience as much as you can, because then stuff will come to you. I think that's really true. I think, you know, a lot of times we have this idea, you know, you have that like writer in a garret who's sitting there and they're, they're in their little tower and they've got all the doors and windows shut and they're staring at a screen or at a piece of paper and ideas just pour into them from the ether. And I don't think that that's right. I think most of my great ideas, yes, they happen when I'm doing something mundane, like, you know, washing the floor or something, but they, they start, if you if I kind of think through them and trace them back, they start with real life experiences. Well, that's what the, the actual article went on to say, that um, it's when your brain is doing mundane tasks that you're in like a resting brain and those things come to surface because it's like letting it come out. So, you know, walking on the treadmill or, you know, washing the floor, just let your brain rest for a while and be amazed what can come out of there. Put the phone away. <laughs> yeah, actually, put the phone away. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But yeah, we are, you know, we put ourselves at a disadvantage, I think, as modern authors, because yes, we have the full internet at our disposal. We can research fingerprinting technology and, you know, what the history of the Venetian palaces and all of this stuff. And all of that's awesome and super useful. But when it's at the idea stage, you really have to just get quiet and let your brain do what it does. It, it doesn't need your help. It will come up with things. If you're bored, 
ideas will bubble to the surface, but you have to be quiet enough to let them be heard. Yeah, definitely. When I was um, doing nano, when I'd hit a block, I'd go treadmill for a while and then my brain would be like, oh, that's what we need to do next. And I, it's because I stopped thinking about it and I just brainlessly walked for a little while. And I think that there is something really powerful in body movement too. You know, if you're trying so hard to have an idea and you're sitting in the exact same spot mm-hmm. and you're clutching your pen and you're going, okay, I'm going to think of something great. I'm going to think <laughs> of something great. That's not going to work. But if you get your body moving and then there's enough going on to kind of loosen all that up. This is very fluffy. We're not, this is not scientific at all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's research out there that you will have better ideas if you get your body moving. Because, you know, all the good stuff moves around when you start to actually physically move. Right. And and just, and I'm not saying by experiencing stuff, you have to go skydiving. I mean, go to Starbucks and people watch for a little while. Even back in high school, we used to play a game where we'd pick someone in a crowd when we like create their environment. Like, why is that person oh wearing God, long you sleeves? That game too? Of course. Like, Oh, that guy's wearing long sleeves and it's 98 degrees. Does he have a different blood system? Is he kicked out? That's all he has to wear? I mean, is he a hitman waiting for a contract? Who is he? And he just like, (laughs) he's hiding arcane tattoos, you know, just the most bizarre stuff and just keep brainstorming and just have fun. And you'll never know what can come from that. That I think is a great uh, segue to the kind of the next part of this, which is you, you brainstorm, you have all these great ideas and some of them seem really exciting, really interesting. How do you decide which one to actually spend your time and energy on? Because writing a book is not a a quick process and even a short story. I mean, you're looking at hours of work. So how do you decide which of these maybe thousands of ideas that you have floating in your head are the, are the ones that you're going to actually write about? Well, for me, I keep like, not really a log, that's that's way too um, organized. I keep <laughs> notes on the ideas that I have that think might have merit and that like spark something in me. And I may not touch them again for years, but I have them. But the ones that really like, they keep snowballing. Like you'll have an idea and then like maybe a little bit later you're like, oh yeah, and then this on top of that. And then, oh, oh, and then this. So I mm. think if your brain starts making those little hops to the next thing, that's for me where I would then be like, okay. I now need to get this started. Yeah. So it, it sounds like you do kind of your, your pre-plotting or like your early planning sort of in your head. You're not sitting down and writing out some sort of outline or something like that. Oh, and these are very minute things like, okay, you know, she might have this as a hobby. or my, So it's not even the plot, really. It's just like there's enough firing in my head that's exciting me about the concept that I think I can build from it. Uh, yeah, they, they start to become three-dimensional without right. really any any work from you. It's just happening. Right. So I'm like, okay, that's that's enough to give me something I can maybe start to work with. What? How do you do it? That's very, very similar to how I'm doing it. I actually remember when we were working on the Black Market Anthology, mm-hmm. and I'm not a short story writer, so this was already a little outside my zone, but we had this prompt for the Black Market Anthology, which Shelly and I are both published in. So go pick that up. It's on Amazon. When I was thinking about this, this prompt was a black market in a science fiction or fantasy world. And that was pretty much the whole prompt. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I didn't want to do anything straightforward. You know, I didn't want my black market to be, hey, look, stolen stuff. Mm-hmm. I do write a little bit of sci-fi, but not much. So I'm probably not going to make it sci-fi. It's probably some sort of fantasy, except that surprise, it ended up being a sci-fi story. <laughs> 
But as I, I thought about it and I like considered and discarded several ideas because none of them, it's that same thing you were talking about. None of them really like lit me up. Mm-hmm. None of them kept me thinking about them longer than the initial idea. So I could say, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, and then I didn't, I couldn't picture the character that went with that story or the world didn't seem real to me. Mm-hmm. And like, could I have forced myself to write it? Maybe. But eventually I found an idea that once I hit on it, the story just started to sort of build itself around this one concept. And when I had that concept and I knew, oh, this was it, it's almost like an instinctive response where you go, oh, that one. I want to I know what, how that one turns out. Right. And that, I guess, is the real test is if you have a story where you desperately want to know the answer. Mm-hmm. And maybe this doesn't work. I don't know. I would love to have somebody who's a who's a plotter come in because we're both pantsers, which we'll talk about in the next indie book class episode. But I would love to have a plotter come in and tell us how they do it because I, I wonder if it's different. Because my thing is, I need to know the end. I need to know what happens. I need to know how this unfolds. And I wonder if you're a plotter, do you already have more of that? And so you don't have to write the whole story to figure out what the ending is. So maybe there's something else that you use as your internal compass. Yeah, we'll have to ask our our next planner. (laughs) We'll save that in the file. If anyone out there is a planner and wants to chime in, we're on Twitter. Come talk to us. Because mine is, it forms as it goes. I, I don't have a clue where it's going to go at the end. <laughs> right. And it hits like this critical mass, though, where you know that it's going to become something. That if you give it your attention, it can become something. And there's lots of other ideas where it's like they're almost kind of dead in the water. They come up and it's like, oh, that's neat. And that's kind of all you've got. But you might be able to grow from later. Yes. Yeah. So you don't throw those away. You just sort of store them somewhere. Like there was a, a meme recently that was about Lake Superior being so cold that bacteria doesn't grow that would cause your dead body to float. So I put that aside for a cozy mystery later on because you never know when you might not like throw a dead body in Lake Superior. But it didn't inspire me at the time, but maybe someday. It might come up. Yeah. And I do have lots of things that pop up that were kind of partially formed ideas or simple concepts that could become a book, but I'm not going to spend all the time on them. And they sort of appear magically (laughs) in other things that I'm working on. So like a character who never found a home might end up being a secondary character in something else I'm working on. Yeah. And that's why you never throw stuff away because you never know when that person will be the right fit or or what you want to do with them. Right. I mean, there's your brain, your, your mind, your creative process is like this infinite pool of raw material. You don't throw it away. You just sort of store it up you know like those people who are crafters who have a piece of fabric that's like two inches square because someday they might make a quilt i feel personally attacked i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i have a multitude of bins of random craft material now granted we do have random craft days where my friends and i get together and do a like a random craft that one of us has picked so oh there you go it has cause but there's a lot (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna leave it at that there's there's some stuff (laughs) okay so i have had people ask me you know how can they get an idea they they just aren't blooming anything they don't know one of the things i always tell them is to ask themselves what if look at your favorite Mm -hmm. show look at your favorite book and put a what if in there like marvel has a great thing on disney right now where they're doing what ifs in the marvel comics like if uh, i forgot her name now i think it's peggy penny Oh no, my, my, my Greek credit is going out the window if she was Captain America in, instead of Captain America. Oh yeah. So just do that, like throw a, a what if question in and that you can start it based on something you already know and then let yourself go from there. 
I also like the game, How Can I Willfully Misunderstand This? <laughs> and it's very similar to the, if you were an alien dropped on this planet, what would you observe? But I like How Can I Willfully Misunderstand This? Because it even pushes you to be more ridiculous in some ways. So like, you know, you overhear a snatch of a conversation and you're like, how could I willfully misunderstand what's happening here? How could I just like fun. push this to a ridiculous... Well, clearly she said, I'm sick of this because... She just found out that he is a centaur in disguise. Like, you can just go, you know, way off the edge. And obviously, some of that is not going to be useful. But it will get you kind of into a groove of creativity and, and exploring. There was an interesting study done, and I wish I could cite this properly. Maybe I'll hunt it down in the comments. But um, there's a study done where, like, little kids, if you give them an object and you're like, what is this for? They can come up with this huge list of things that this object could be used for. If you give it to adults, they tend to be a little more constrained and it's because they know more, right? So you, Mm -hmm. you can discard all the things that it couldn't be or all the things that you know it isn't because you're, you have more experience in the world, but kids are little creativity machines because they don't have experience in the world. And so they have to guess at things. And so if you can push yourself to guess at things, like what could this be used for? What alternative usage could I come up with? That can be just really fun. Uh, on top of, you know, getting your creative juices flowing, it can be really fun. I'll have to play that. I haven't tried that one. It's a good game to play with friends. The other less fun but incredibly valuable thing is to do something really boring. So like wash your floor, wash your dishes, mow your lawn. Something that requires very little thought and, you know, it's fairly safe for you to like zone out while doing, you know, some people let their mind wander while driving, they'll turn off the radio, but you don't want to wander so far that you wander into another lane, you know? So like <laughs> pick a thing. Still drive you. safely. <laughs> Still drive safely. Yeah. You, you're willfully being bored. You want to be bored. You want to see kind of thing that you don't particularly want to do because your brain wants to go somewhere else while you're doing those things. So it's really valuable. Someone else told me they put a bunch of stuff in a hat. So they put a bunch of genres and a bunch of activities and a bunch of locations and a variety of different things. And they'll pull one of each thing. And whatever that is, that's what they write about. That's an interesting one. They do it like as a daily page of the, like a daily journal. I think sometimes those are interesting too, because it's what you resist. Because mm-hmm. like if you, you'll go, well, I don't want to write about somebody in San Francisco. I want to write about somebody in Texas because that's way more interesting. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> But then you realize what you do want to write about. You know, when somebody's pushing you to do something you don't want to do, sometimes that pushes you the other way to like, no, what I really want to do is this. And you didn't know you wanted to do that until someone told you to do something else. Maybe that's just me. No, no, that's, (laughs) I've tried doing some of those like prompts and I'm like, I can't think of anything, but oh, wait, I can do this. And then I completely ignore what the prompt is about. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess our takeaway advice for how do I come up with good ideas is be like a little kid, do stuff you don't want to do, do stuff you do want to do, and put your back against the wall and see what happens. And just do stuff. Just do stuff. Yeah, do stuff. New stuff. Go a new place. Even if it's like a different coffee shop or like go a different direction in the grocery store. Whatever you're doing, it doesn't have to be a trip to Italy. Italy keeps coming up today. What is or you could, that? Or you could totally go to Italy, you know. I mean, you can't. Like, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I went to London this one time and I was very inspired. I wrote a whole short story about it, actually, which sure. I've never published. So, blah. <laughs> the last thing I think we need to talk about here is, oh, is there something else we need to talk about? Did we do it? Are we done? I don't know. Have we finally answered the question of where ideas come from? I think we've given them a good start. So if they've liked it, 
they should rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, please. Thank you. (laughs) 